If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm really excited to be here today because I have a really special guest. Jen, thank you for being with us. Thank you. This is Jen Spencer. She founded the Turtle Shelter Project. And the reason that I really wanted to talk to you, Jen, is because, as you know, as I mentioned, Davis County has been uh, mandated by the state to provide a shelter for homeless people here in Davis County. And it's something that I'm not really familiar with. You know, I'm on the task force now to try to determine where a great location would be. And I was talking to some friends as we were working at Kaysville Gives Fundraiser, and she said, you need to talk to Jen because she started this foundation to specifically create vests for clothing for people who are homeless because you've been homeless. So, so Jen, I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions. I'm really excited to talk to you. Awesome. First of all, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. I'm, I'm excited to hear your story. So I guess I'll just ask you a question to just start out. Okay. My understanding is that you were, you were homeless for a period of time. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you became homeless. Uh, um, so I was, I was homeless for several years, just not all at the same time. Oh, okay. It was just kind of brief. Different periods in your life? Yeah, different periods. Um, I think the longest time that I was homeless was for a year. Um, but, uh, I had, so I had a pretty debilitating meth addiction. And did, did this start when you were really young or? Um, I started using drugs when I was 18. Oh, okay. And it started off with marijuana and very quickly within, within a year spiraled into full-blown meth addiction. Um, within the first two years I was uh, using drugs, I had landed myself in rehab twice. Really? Um, yeah. Really? So one was like a 30-day program, and that kind of, that, I was in a cocoon, kind of, and the minute I got out, because I was in a hospital, it was a 30-day program, I relapsed the next day. It was, it was like I didn't know how to live life. Right, um, in, the, in the world. Right. Outside of that environment. Yeah. And the second time I went through rehab was I, w- I was barely 20 years old and went to the Salvation Army program in Salt Lake, which was for homeless people. Um, so that was kind of my first experience with meeting homeless people and living, like interacting and uh, um, during that year, there were seven of the people I was in treatment with. I was in treatment for a whole year with the Salvation Army program and seven of those people that I was in treatment with would leave and they would find their bodies um, on the streets of Salt Lake that year. Yeah, it was, um, you know, they left treatment and then they relapsed and got drunk and fell asleep somewhere. It it was kind of that kind of a story. That's awful. So, yeah, devastating. (laughs) I bet it was devastating. So when you're in the Salvation Army program in Salt Lake, is that a program where you can just walk into the program off the street? 
Um, so I started out with Volunteers of America. Okay. You, I don't know if you've heard of that, but um, they're a, a homeless outreach um, organization, but they have a detox program for people who are homeless. And so I went through their program and then they place you, it was a detox program, and then they place you in a rehab um, kind of they do a lot of research and case management and kind of see what would be the best fit for you. So it's kind of like that. Okay. Um, so that's how I ended up with them. But it was a program where they allowed you to work while you were living there and almost um, like you work in exchange for your room and board and treatment. So how long did that program last? I was in that program for a year. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was in VOA and Salvation Army program for a whole year, but I, I think the VOA stuff was only about... Um, Three or four months. So yeah. in so you were working, and then you were mm-hmm. provided with free living. Yeah, and treatment. And treatment. Yeah. Okay. So I worked at the soup kitchen, which is um, just about a block west of Pioneer Park. Okay. Um, there's a hotel there now. It's not there anymore, but it was a a daily meal that we would um, provide for the for people that were on the streets. Oh so. my gosh, I can't imagine. So how did you did, did you grow up just a normal? kid with a family (laughs) and then how did you end up on the streets did your family just sort of um I was a nightmare to to live were you you kind of difficult yeah I grew up in Mountain Green okay so um a pretty um affluent neighborhood I guess Mm -hmm. um I uh my family moved to um Honeyville which is um kind of just north of Brigham City um when I was a junior in high school and I went from a 500-kid high school to 1,500 kids. and That would be a shock. It was a shock to my – yeah. And so I was already struggling with, with things. And so I, I dropped out of school and moved to Ogden and kind of lived in Ogden for the rest of – I mean, in, uh, for a long time, actually. So yeah. Was um, that living independently? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I you'd got an apartment and... with some roommates. Really? And, yeah. It was kind of – Kind of cool. I don't know why no one ever asked me what my age was, but I was like sixteen. Really, with but nobody asked. Kids. Oh gosh! And I looked like I was fifteen. Like I mean, I yeah, you young, still look so, really young. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I um, I got I I started using drugs. So I I, I had a, a job and lived with these kids for you know a while, and um, then I moved in with a friend's family and. Got a job, but then I started doing drugs, and just okay. everything went downhill from there. And um, like I said, I, I, you know, two rehabs in two years—the first two years of my addiction. So it was. It were was those crazy. volunteer? So you were seeking help because you knew you wanted to get better. Yeah, okay. I wanted help. I didn't know how to how to get and, it. Yeah, and then my parents kind of got you know I because I moved back home and and started taking my dad's pain pills, which oh, that's hard. I didn't know. You know, didn't occur to me that he needed them for oh a, actual an, pain, an for... injury. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was a helicopter pilot from Vietnam that um, crashed. Oh, and, so he was in pain chronically, yeah. and didn't take his pills because he wanted them to work when he would take them. So it just oh, wasn't. Shoot. Yeah. Okay. And so when I found out that um, you know he really needed them, and he uh, he left a note on the counter one day saying, "I hope whoever took these." Needed them more than I did. Oh, you're kidding. It was, yeah. Did that break your heart? It, it did. And I went downhill a lot faster after that. Just um, decided I 
probably should go to prison. Um, so I forged a check so that I would go to prison. Really? Intentionally? I did. And I mean, this was my bright idea. <laughs> uh, in an effort to get help? Yeah. Cause, okay. Well, because I had gone to jail for five days for um, failure to appear, but it was possession of tobacco okay. was the original charge. And um, while I was there, I stayed clean. I was clean for five whole days. Oh, and that um, was a huge accomplishment, No one would right? bail me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I got out and just thought, man, well, I, I mean, I could stay clean if I just, maybe I just need to go to prison oh, and man. be forced, you know? Right. And so, yeah, that was my best thinking. Um, and so, yeah, I forged this check, spent the money, went to the police station after the drugs were gone and just said, I'm here to go to prison. <laughs> and really? You turned yourself in? I, I, yeah. <laughs> they kind of laughed at me um, in Brigham City. They were just like... And I don't think they knew what to do with me. So they were just like, um, I, I, I still remember the officer who took, he's like, okay, you go home and you get some sleep and come back on Monday and then I'll really? take your statement. Yeah. He was just like. Just trying so hard to, to be well, helpful, I guess, blown away. Right. That I was, yeah, that I, I'm like, oh, I'm here to go to prison. I mean, it was, I was so. And by the time I went to to see the judge, I had I was in that Salvation Army program, so the judge was really um, amazing. I I feel like um, definitely had God helping me really? through, through that time because the judge was just like, I don't think you know what you're doing. I think you need a lawyer, and I don't want you to say one more word. Because I was just like, yeah, I'm here. I, mean, I, mean, I did it. Me no, up. you don't understand. This is my plan. And and I was oh. just trying to explain. And he just was like, shut up. You just. Stop talking. You're going to tie my hands. I don't think prison is the best place for you. Oh. In fact, I can promise you just stop talking right now. And so I'm grateful for that. That's he was, neat. Yeah, he was. Um, I can't even imagine what he saved me from. So. Oh, I can't either. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, it's. Yeah. It's, Tender to your heart, probably. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Um, yeah. It, it's neat that we are surrounded by grace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, God has a plan for us. So Yeah, totally. So you were in another program instead, so you didn't go to prison. I didn't go to prison. I got probation, a plea in abeyance. Um, so I, I actually didn't ever spend one day in jail for that, which was so weird. But um, I was, you know, a model probationee. Um, I did really well for a few years, and then um, I I had met my husband in jail, or I mean in um, rehab, and that's a, don't ever don't ever uh, meet a spouse in, in, <laughs> in a rehab. rehab. That's not a good place to meet people. But <laughs> that, anyway, that would be hard to to support each other. Yeah, yeah. And when he relapsed, of course I relapsed, and then it was just spiraled out of control. And so, um, uh, yeah, it. So things he was doing to me kind of um, is what got me back on drugs, actually. Just shame and oh, and, and Messing uh, with you abuse. just emotionally. Oh, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. And so so I started using meth again. I lost my house, lost, I mean, divorced him um, and uh, became homeless uh, when he had, when when my divorce with him kind of went, took place. He went to jail and... Um, but yeah, I just uh, that's that's when my homelessness and and my addiction got really bad again. Was like around two thousand three, two thousand two thousand four, 
So you were homeless and really living in Salt Lake on the streets, or Ogden? In Ogden, okay. Yeah, where did people? Mostly. I'm curious. Where did people go <laughs> when it's cold, and what did they do? Well, I mean, I was in the drug world at the time, and okay. so, um, and sadly, I was selling meth to support my habit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a vehicle. Oh, you did? Um, okay. So I you had, had a car to live in. I had a lot of resources available to me. Um, I had, you know, I could stay on people's couch. Like, But when you're on meth, you, you, had a network of you people. don't sleep. So you, it's, Really? Well, I mean, You're yeah. just wired all the time? All the time, yeah. I would, I mean. I can't imagine. It, I think I stayed awake for about seven years. It just, my, really? my body would just body- get out here and there, but. But yeah, it, it yeah. Ugh. That's incredible. Nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare time in my life. But but I know that um you know, I my my periods of homelessness were just a little bit different than than most, I guess, because I had so many resources available to me. Um I um you know, having a vehicle really makes all the difference, but there's so many p- people, people that are that homeless that, that have a car or that have a... Oh, that, that do. Okay. Nowadays, especially. Oh, okay. Um, like in Salt Lake, there's a lot of people that have like cars or home or um, RVs, um, campers. You'll, especially like in the industrial park areas, you'll see just like rows and rows of... Um, people just camping? Yeah, just... just pulled off the side of the road and they're just in an RV and you can usually tell um which who's living in it currently and cuz mm-hmm. you know they're pretty run down and right. um, but um but I can't even imagine what would have happened if I would have ever lost my car do you know what I mean mm-hmm. um I think having a car made made a huge difference for me um, just because I could always stay in the car. And it was safe. Yeah. Yes, I, I can the doors. imagine. Right. Um, so I was, I was grateful, um, to, to at least have that resource for me. Um, how were you able to, to change your life so drastically? Because now you have an incredible foundation and you give back. And so we're, <laughs> uh-huh. we're going to get to that, but yeah. how did you, how did you make that leap? Well, um, being homeless in the winter of 2014 literally broke me. Um, it was a year that was, it got as cold as, it got down to single digits that year. Um, I was living in a storage unit. Um, I, I, I had my vehicle. Um, I, you know, I had some income, but that was legal. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. it was legal income, but but i had i had income enough to like pay my unit and stuff like that fees and so it was a storage unit yeah and oh, i was living in there and it had um i had built a loft anyway it was it, like a little apartment yeah yeah it wasn't um but it wasn't insulated it was freezing i bet it was so cold and so it was that cold like waking up first thing in the morning just everything the cold just made everything feel like an overwhelming obstacle and you can't get away from it. Even like yeah. sitting in the car and running the heater, it just wouldn't, I couldn't ever warm up. And, you know, if I think if homelessness broke me, having everything available to me like I had, I just, I saw what it was doing to other people who had absolutely nothing. You had friends freeze to death. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was awful. But that, honestly, I'm grateful for that experience because that cold brought me to my knees. 
it I just got to this point where I couldn't live that way anymore. Um, and I reached out to a friend because um, I was really struggling and found out she passed away that morning. You're kidding. No, it was, and it was the one friend I had that always made time for me that was always just really good to me. Um, oh. But I reached out to her and she had, she had passed away that morning and it was just like, um, it was the pain and all that of losing her. It just, I just kind of, I don't know. I, I met somebody that she knew and asked her like how you pray and she just, how you give something to God. And she said, ask him. Really? Yeah. And it, it was hard for me because <clears throat> I felt like every time I would pray, I was just talking to the wall. Um, but she just, she gave me some insight. And so one day I just, I was at my wits end and wanted to die. And um, someone sent me this song by David Archuleta and it was the song called Glorious. Oh, okay. And he talks all about how we all have times in our life where we feel aimless. We can't see where we fit and where we belong. And if life's this beautiful symphony, we all have parts that we contribute to make the melody the masterpiece that it is. And if you haven't figured out what your part is, just keep listening and you'll figure it out. So in my mind, I just translated that to just stay on the planet. Just just a little bit longer, you really haven't figured out what your part is yet. Oh, that's beautiful. And so I had this moment where I just decided I was going to have this prayer, life is going to give this prayer thing a chance. I went and I talked to God and just poured it all out, told him everything I was struggling with and all that I was going through and everything I'd done that I just hated myself for and, you know, kind of hoping he would give me permission to end it. And he didn't. Um, I just got to this point where I was like, are you even real? Right. Do you know my name? Do you know all these things I'm struggling with and does it matter to you? And it was like, instantly. I've never felt an answer to a prayer before that moment, but it was instantly he just ran to me. And Oh, gosh, that gets me. Me too. I, every time I share it, every That's time so I feel it. And it was in that moment that I realized if I, you know, because it was like, it was like I just had this words come to me just like, Jen, I've been waiting for so long to just help you. Oh, you just, I want to help you with whatever you're going through. Just hold on to me and whatever you need to fix and face, we will fix and face together. My gosh. And it was like. Making me cry. Uh, <laughs> well, it was, it was such a pivotal moment for me because I just thought that I would never be worthy of a relationship with him. Oh, man. And so um, the next thing that I did was I asked God if he would just give me the desire to change. Because suddenly I just had this like mind-blowing epiphany that if I could just want him or want to change more than I wanted to destroy myself, mm -hmm. if I could chase God or chase good things the way that I'm chasing my drug dealer, like, I don't know, like it just... It just occurred to me that if I wanted to be a different person, I had to want it more than anything. Because when I wanted drugs, you would do nothing. Would yes. would was an obstacle for me, and, and that's how addicts are. They're just creative. They'll think of whatever it is that's that they want. They're gonna get, and because it's gonna, they're gonna do whatever it takes to get it. 
And and if I could just shift that kind of energy into into wanting something different, like it just that's so incredible. I knew that was the key. Yeah. So um, it, yeah, within three months, I just um, I was in rehab. Um, I went to this emergency preparedness conference one day while I was in treatment and learned about this stuff called foam clothing. And while I was there, they were just saying, oh, if you have access to this clothes, this kind of technology, you can stay warm even if you're wet. And I was just like, no way. That's yeah, crazy. If incredible. I had, yeah. If I had just had that, like, man, I, maybe I wouldn't have been driven to my knees, though. This, I don't know. this is true, but it would have saved lives for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And knowing where I had just been and hearing what I was hearing about this technology, like it just, I knew this was a solution. This, this, because had I not experienced that bitter cold that mm-hmm. brought me to my knees, I would have learned about this technology and gone, huh, that's cool. True. And, and walked on. away. Right. Yeah. But it was more personal to me because I had just been there three months ago. And I knew seven people in oh, one year freeze today. Incredible. So. How incredible. I have a, I have a question. I mean, uh, this is yeah, an incredible yeah. story. So from the time that you were praying and you felt that incredible, amazing answer to your prayers, did that continue to carry you through the, all the hard stuff? Because I know sometimes we have mm-hmm. a moment and it's really impactful, but then in the next moment, we forget. <sighs> so you were able to hang on to that. Well, that I mean. with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I didn't, like, stop using drugs that moment. Okay. Like, it took me three, you know, like, three months to get into treatment. Oh, okay. Like, well, because I, I was on a waiting list to get, you know, so I right. got the ball rolling. But it was like God gave me that desire in different ways. Um, one of the ways was, one. I mean, one of the ways was he showed me how much, like, basically I chose love because a few months went by. I was on this waiting list to get into this treatment center, but, you know, one day it was like um, my brother had been in drug court. Oh, okay. And had been clean for 18 months. Oh. And his wife came to me one day and asked me to get her high. And it was like, so I foresaw, because I had experienced this in my own marriage, mm-hmm. when my husband relapsed, you know you, what I mean? It right, was, you followed. And so... I saw what was coming for him. If she's getting high now, he's he's, he's graduating he's right drug there. court in two weeks. Right. And so I had this thought like, oh, my gosh, I could either join him mm-hmm. in his relapse. And if I got her high, I'm sure that would be contributing to his. Right. I saw what was coming for him. I knew he was going to relapse. And so I decided to trade places with him. If I could go to rehab. And I could do what he just did and showed me for 18 months what he was doing. Oh, that's neat. That getting clean was possible. Maybe, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, love. That's yeah, incredible. it was love. It, it was chose love. him over, over. And so that's what, what really kind of drove it in for me. It that wasn't is, easy, though. Oh, I bet. I bet it was so hard. And even today, like I've been sober eight in april it'll be nine years really congratulations i can't can't imagine how hard that would be every day every day right every day i have to recommit every day is hard it's it's not like i don't ever think about it anymore it's not like i don't still have like thoughts of suicide stuff like that like Mm -hmm. every day is still hard and every day 
I do have to just recommit. Like, this is what I want more than anything else. I still want. And you remember. Yeah. I'm grateful for things like using dreams. Mm -hmm. Because in my dreams, it's a nightmare. I started using drugs again. And then I wake up and it's like, oh, I'm I'm so so glad glad it was a dream. Because in my dream, I'm so stressed out that it's going to be that so hard to get off of it again. Oh, that's great. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I I think those things are like gifts from God just to remind me like where you've been and you don't want that. And another thing is guilt. Like, yeah, I started this organization so that I could help people stay on the planet a little longer mm-hmm. so that maybe they could have their experience with God like I had. You know what I mean? It's 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 absolutely incredible. So you brought a vest here yeah, yeah. for me to look at, which I won't do just because it'll be crunchy. Rustly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. tell, okay, so you, you went to this uh, emergency preparedness fair yes. and you heard about this material. And then what happened? Well, then I heard how much it costs. And it literally broke my heart. Really? Was it really expensive? Oh, my gosh. It's sickening. (laughs) So it was like $780 for a full head-to-toe suit. Wow. um, $800 to buy a sleeping bag. Oh, yeah. And it's like, at that price... Only rich people can afford it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was upset. I was going to go Who buy a ton, and cool I was going to give them to people I knew. And I was just so excited when I heard about the technology. But then hearing how much it costs, like, just made me want to cry. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually got super annoyed with the company that was selling all this. And because, um, I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm pretty, uh, like, I know, like, there's no way it, it costs that really, to make. Right, exactly. Like, like what's it? Smart. Is it made of solid gold? Like, what is it that's causing it to be this much? Mm-hmm. And it's because they're catering to fear. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're, it's like the prepper world. They just yeah. want people to yeah. get so, right, so right. scared about the future. You Panic gotta everybody. For this. Yeah. And then and they'll pay any price just right. to make sure they're safe. I and understand. That's, that's the key. And so, in my mind, I'm like, hmm. I got to figure out how to learn how to make this. And it was like, I got obsessed. And I said a prayer a couple days later, and I asked God how he was doing today. I've never thought to pray that way. I've never (laughs) asked that question either. That's a great question. But I was feeling super heartbroken for God. And I was sad that, and, and I wanted a friendship with him, not just, you know, call him up, tell him all my crap, and then hang up on him. So Love it was it. like I wanted, you know, in a, in a healthy relationship, relationship, you want to know how someone else is doing just as much as you want to share with them what's going on with you. And like, I'm like, what if I could have that with God? Oh, my gosh, that would be amazing. And so, yeah, I'm like, how are you doing today? And I just told him how sad I was feeling that I was I was feeling like I'm I'm feeling like you're pretty heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for you. Like I'm feeling like people are mean to you and people blame you for everything that you're that is going on in their life and like and then there's people who are mean to each other and there's tons of fighting in the world and then there's cool stuff like this that exists this technology exists but no one who needs it can afford it and i just i was just like i just wanted to know what i could do to help god have a better day and to show him how grateful i was that he rescued me when i didn't deserve it oh man jen and I got an answer, and it was like, it was kind of funny the way, like, these words came to me. But it was just like, Jen, I think it's adorable that you care about my broken heart. <laughs> <laughs> but please remember who I am. 
I'm the healer of all things that are broken. And the thing that is breaking my heart is not how anyone's treating me and not how people are blaming me. The thing that's breaking my heart is the way that my children are treating each other. Oh, boy. And you have an idea that is a good idea. You want to, like, learn how to make this stuff and get it into the hands of... I get chills even. I do, too. I was just going to say that. But it's like, it's a good idea. I want you to top talk to the tops of organizations that work with people on the streets. I want you to tell everyone who will listen that this technology exists and about your idea and know that so many people are going to think you're crazy and it's okay. Um, this idea is way bigger than you, but it is not bigger than me. Oh and my so gosh. if you promise to keep me as your boss, keep me as the one in charge, I promise I will send you every resource, every helping hand, every dollar you need in order to make this a reality. And it was like mind blowing. Um, That's powerful. <laughs> I totally get the chills just sharing this because oh, I it, love it. It was exciting. Um, and of course, like uh, I'm an addict, so I want to control everything, right? <laughs> and so I'm like trying to push it mm-hmm. on everybody and telling everyone who will listen. Um, and like, and it was so many people were just like, Jen, you have delusions of grandeur. Really? You are just, you have this major this is so idea. Big. Yeah. And it's like, but I just could not stop talking about it. And so many people, like, I, I mean, did just think I was totally crazy. And, you know, I'd get frustrated because nobody, like, was, I mean, people were like, thought it was a really cool idea. But no one was moving forward but with no helping one, you. Yeah, I was like, and, yeah. and then, you know, my, my sponsor in recovery, she just said, Jen, stop. You've got to remember what God told you. This is his project. This is his. Like, okay. you stop trying to control it. Because every time I'd try to control it, it would just fall apart every, every single time. And so it was like, I finally just backed off. And I just kind of, I kept telling people. Um, but what was cool was I didn't, I didn't get really anybody that excited about it until, I mean, um, I had some, but someone that was really excited about it. Um, but then she moved to New York. Um, and so, but she was still, she thought it was a really cool idea. Um, but it wasn't until two years went by before I finally got it going. And so we... Um, That's I fa- a long two years waiting, I bet. But it it was it's cool. This is just the way God works. Is like it's that two years. I don't know if you know anything about meth addiction. I don't. But so when you use crystal meth, we all have these. Uh, uh, I don't know what they call it, but it it it's a chemical that your your body produces. It, your brain or something. Yeah, serotonin. A serotonin. So, okay. Yeah, and it's your dopamine. Your feel good. Um, okay. You're happy whatever your brain creates to make you happy. Well, when you use crystal meth, uh, it turns that thing on full blast, and then it burns it out. Okay. And then you can't be happy unless you have meth. Oh, If that makes sense. That does make sense, yes. And it takes your body about 18 months to two years before your body starts creating that on its own again after you've stopped. Okay. So So that's a dark period probably of not feeling. Oh, Super. The first two years emotions. of anyone's recovery is absolutely brutal. It, that would be hard. It is absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. But 
that two years, you know, that's when my body started to kind of really heal. That's I started, you know, I had been participating in this program, recovery program. So it was almost like it gave me that two years to get emotionally stable, to oh. get physically stable, to get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to and, heal. Yeah, to heal. Yeah. Yeah. So because I couldn't have, have, you know, he's running the organization. I just work for him. Right. But I couldn't have done then what I'm doing today. Does, that you know makes, what that I mean? makes sense. Yes. It, it gave you a time to kind of recover and to just wait and yeah, be patient. Grow and, up. And, and like to, I had to grow up. To learn some, yeah. Yeah. Learn yeah. about life and learn more about yourself. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. took two years, and yeah. then what happened? Well, and then, um, so we incorporated um, the Turtle Shelter Project on my second year sobriety birthday. So That's we incredible. share the same birthday. But um, I I met a lady in after I started going back to church. I met a lady in my ward who um, knew how to sew, and I. I was just when I found out that she knew how to sew. I was just like I threw up on her. Not, not, <laughs> right, not yeah, literally, but where, I was like, "Oh my so gosh, excited. I had this idea." Yeah, and I just told her all about it, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, that's really cool." And then she said, "You know, I wrote in my journal uh, about a year ago that I wanted a uh, an opportunity to do something meaningful for the children of God using my talents wow. and my time." Because she made it. costumes for dancers, you know, high school kids. And so it was like she wanted to do something that really was more meaningful. meaningful and okay. so, yeah, she was like, yeah, I can help you design a pattern. Yeah, I can help you. You know what I mean? It That's was crazy. incredible. Yeah. And, and what's also interesting was, back up a little bit, um, right after I had the idea and said that prayer to God and asked him, you know, when he gave me the insight of what I needed to do, I met the inventor of the technology. Oh, like, really? Like within a week. Really? It was crazy. Yeah. And it was funny because he was doing a class right by my storage unit where I was living. You're kidding. Yeah. No, it was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. That's amazing. So I met him. His name's Jim Phillips, and he's the inventor of foam clothing technology. And he just let me pick his brain. And he was like, you got a cool idea. Like, this is awesome. He wasn't the one selling those for such an absurd amount of money. Got it. Somebody had stolen the idea from him. and oh, You know what I and, mean? Uh-huh. And so, but he just thought what I was wanting to do was really cool. So he just taught me how to how to create it well so that it would really work. That's incredible. And yeah. And so then I bought the $780 suit. Okay. Yeah, because I, because I'm crazy, and <laughs> you I wanted to probably take it apart. I and wanna, see. Well, that was kind of my initial idea, but one day, um, I, I, it was it was right around the time I met that lady. Um, I broke the ice on a stream in my neighborhood, and I wore the vest or the 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 suit, and I, um, it was ten degrees outside, and you got into the water. I did. I was. I used to say it was the dumbest idea I ever had, and then someone was like, Jen, you know you were a meth addict for 20 years. Like, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you made so many dumber choices along the way. I promise you this is not the dumbest. Yeah. I love it. It, it. One of your not as bright moments, but yeah, not the dumbest, right? That's funny. So, yeah, I. it was so cold. The, it took almost a whole minute for the water to penetrate the suit. And once it did, it was just like, I've never experienced cold like that. In I that can't moment. even imagine doing that. Yeah. But it did keep you. If I would have stayed in the water, I would have died. Oh, oh, yes. But I got out of the water 
And because I was just wearing the the foam and then I I wasn't wearing anything cotton. I was wearing these um long johns that were like um like polyester. And so I got out of the water and warmed up within 45 seconds. Really? And yeah, and it was like I walked around for two hours totally soaking wet, not cold at all, and soaking wet in Incredible. 10 degrees. In, in the suit. Yeah. And you wow. cannot fake that. You right. can't fake that kind of like... Cause, that warmth that you were feeling. Well, and... just because the cold makes you chatter mm-hmm. and shiver right. and like you, you can't stop yourself from right. your from body. Right, from automatic yeah. responses. Yeah, and my friend's like looking at me. She's like, you look miserable. And I'm like, I know, but I'm not. Like, I am not cold. It was just, I should have got it on video. Maybe I, yeah. Maybe you should do it again. (laughs) Maybe Maybe I should do it again. (laughs) I always worry about people trying it out. And then it's my friend's like, Jen, no one's ever going to do that. I promise. Like, (laughs) that's incredible that you did it, though. And it worked. It did work. But yeah, strongest testimony ever that this stuff is like amazing. So you bought the suit, and then you started making them? Or, I mean, how did... So um, when I met that lady, and she um, she designed... It's beautiful. It, yeah, they're great. We, we So what we do is we make just a vest, and it's a little bit longer. Um, and it's... it's th- what we were... What we felt really inspired to do was just make a vest, because there was... We didn't want to just mass produce them either because there was another component that um, felt really, really important as far as like um, what God was inspiring us to do. And that was to make a vest so that it keeps your core warm because when your core is warm, the rest of you is warm longer. So we made the vest a little bit longer so that, um, you know, it goes just past your, um, you know, your your entire torso and just barely into your legs. Um, so that it was a little bit longer to cover like your backside and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then, um, uh, sorry, just totally went blank for a second. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. (laughs) Um, okay. So yeah, making a, making a vest. So there was a patent on the, um, suit. Oh, okay. And so we consulted a patent lawyer, um, and found that it wasn't infringing if we made a vest. Oh, good. So, um, because... It was different. It, it had to be... There wasn't a vest anywhere in their patent. And to violate or infringe on their patent, you had to... Um, there were seven articles of clothing that that comprised the suit. Oh, okay. And so you had to have each one of those... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you were legally okay to be able to yeah. to do something different. Yeah, that to wasn't make included. There was no vest included because the one we had with had a jacket, it had the mittens, the hat, all that. Oh, okay. But a vest wasn't anywhere in there. Awesome. Um and and after talking to the inventor, um he was like if your core is warm, that's what you want. And most people who are living on the streets have lots of layers. And so we made this so that it's designed to wear under your clothes. Oh, okay. It's stylish enough yeah, it's to really be worn attractive. as an outer layer. But when we hand these out, it's got a windproof. It's not waterproof, but it's got a wind. It's got water-resistant. All the material's water-resistant, but the the outer shell is windproof, but not waterproof. Waterproof, okay. 
And so the reason for that being is we tell people to wear it under your clothes so that it's they like can a, layer on top. a base layer. Got and it. that way when you sweat, because when you layer up, you begin to sweat. Mm -hmm. Once you start sweating, if you have anything that's cotton and it cold. gets wet, mm -hmm. it freezes. Right. It does not dry in the, in the cold. And so when you have wet clothes in freezing temperatures, that's fatal. Yes. For anyone on the streets. And that's when you become the most miserable is the minute you get wet. And so this is designed to allow you to layer up and then you sweat, but this gets wet, but you're not. That's cold. incredible. It, it's it's life-saving yeah. and life-changing. How yes. incredible. Yes. And, and if they have any caught, because a lot of people who are on the street don't get to choose what kind of clothes, mm -hmm. what their clothes are made of. Sure. They just a lot given. of them just have cotton. And so we just tell people, like, if you find that you're cold while you're wearing this, put any layers you have that are cotton on top. Okay. That way, when you sweat, that gets wet, you're not cold, and your other layers don't get wet. That is smart. Yeah. How do you, how do you fund these? How do you pay for them? Um, so we're a 501c3. Okay. Um, we, uh, we got the cost of the material. <laughs> For the, all the raw materials, it's $30. Really? And that's with 100% donated labor. That's um, incredible. We're not, we're not a sweatshop. So just, just to, we're not a sweatshop. Mm -hmm. But what we are is like a traveling service circus. Oh, okay. Um, we, I mean, everything, every person who is involved in our organization, um, there isn't anyone actually who's paid. They're all volunteers. Everyone's volunteer. Um, Boy, that's fun. And we travel. Fabulous. We get the material. Um, so all of our, our um, any donations we get are tax deductible because we're a 501c3. But what we do is we just buy material in bulk, and then we have it cut professionally, and then we bring all the components to wherever we're invited. Oh, okay. And we bring... We so bring, you could go to a church group or a school group absolutely. or a community group, and you bring... All the materials, and then people assemble them and sell yeah. them? Yeah, we bring the material, the supplies, the thread, scissors, all that. That the is host, fantastic. The host provides the helping hands, the space, and the tables and okay. for uh, however long they want to work. So we've done activities as we've done an activity that was a half an hour once that had 300 people. Like, I mean, it was mind-blowing. That is incredible. And that was the shortest activity we've ever done that produced the most. Like, it was crazy. Um, but that's the time they had to work with. And so we we brought enough to keep people busy that we got like a thousand collars really? pinned together in that half an hour with 300 hands working on them. It was crazy. That's incredible. So, so you're able to go when when organizations reach out to you or you reach out to them? Yeah. And then how do you distribute these? Um, that's the funnest part of the whole project is we go directly to their camps. Okay. We want these to go to anyone who's actually living in the elements. So there's lots of encampments around. Um, um, a lot of them in Salt Lake. Ogden doesn't have as many. Um, they're pretty hidden because of the, um, you know, the laws re mm -hmm. regarding camping in, in Weber County. Public places, right. But Salt Lake's a little more... Um, They're definitely more visible. Yeah. And some are visible, some aren't. I mean, but... But yeah, we'll go find where they're camping. We we uh, a lot of times the homeless will tell us where to find more uh, oh, okay. more of their friends, and so when we go, we get a group of people together, 
and we'll go directly to the camp. Um, there's a few um, Facebook outreach groups that have like um, where the homeless can say, hey, I need something. Oh, okay. And someone in that group can say, oh, I have that. And they can, you know what I mean? Or okay. there's someone who says, I'm getting rid of a bunch of stuff. Does anyone need it? And people who are on the streets can say, oh, yeah, I need that. You know, and then I didn't even know those groups. Existed. It is amazing. That's yeah, incredible. I would love to give you more information about that because okay. they're amazing groups. Um, so I'll go on there sometimes and post like, hey, I'm coming to Salt Lake today at this time. Like anybody who needs a vest, like just, just send let me, me a message and let me know where you're at. And and we, we go directly to them and we bring a table and we we like to go when it's bitter cold because we like to give individual information to every single person we serve. So we make sure they get the right fit. Okay. We have them take off all their layers even though it's cold, mm-hmm. I, I tell them, I promise you're only going to hate me for about 30 seconds. The minute you zip this up, you're going to be like, whoa. And it's, so, it's, it's the best. It's the dessert. incredible. The dessert of the whole project. And so we let them pick the size they want, I mean, the color they want. Um, and we just kind of give them information to explain to them how this is going to work best for them. If they want to stay the warmest, this is how you wear it. So You have an incredible life story <laughs> and experience. This Thank has you. been so much fun getting to know you and Thank learning you. from you. How can how can we help? I mean, people that are listening, what can we do? Well, um, if, it, I mean, there's lots of ways that, that people can help. I know you have a website or an Instagram or... Yeah, so okay. um, on Instagram and Facebook, we're just under Turtle Shelter Project and our website is turtleshelterproject.org. Okay. Um, we have a YouTube channel under Turtle Shelter Project, which has the how-to videos for how... It's got our story on it, but also the how-to videos on individual sewing steps. And so that's really cool because um, there's a lot of people who want to sew from home. And so um, they can watch the YouTube videos and we bring components to them. Oh, okay. And they can sew from home and there's step-by-step instructions on That's how to do to each know. step. All right. Um, but if you go to our website or send us an email at turtleshelterproject at gmail.com, um, you can schedule an event if you have, you know, a, a, a date in mind that you want to have a, an activity um, you just email our uh, Melissa, our events coordinator, and she can set you up on the calendar and kind of get that scheduled. We're usually, especially in the cold months, we're booked out like three months. Incredible. So if, you know, a lot of people, you know, how there's a day of service in September. Mm-hmm. We This year, we're, we've already, we're booked for next year already. Are you really? So, oh, yeah. That's, that's usually a date that gets pretty, but it's usually a massive event, whoever's getting that date. So. But yeah, um, we just, we do about two events a week. So Oh, really? Um, yeah. So you guys are so busy. This is full time, every time, all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, well, and I'm in school too. So, oh, are you um, really? So trying to learn how to run a nonprofit. So oh, no. okay. Of, that's, that's fantastic. It, yeah, it's it's been super helpful, but yeah. Jen, your story is incredible. Thank you Thank so you. much for being willing to share it. You're welcome. We will spread the word. Thank you. And yeah. make sure that everybody who doesn't already know about you does know about you. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. Thanks. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.